Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Speakers and Cleats, the podcast. Welcome back to the Sneakers and Cleats podcast. It's Thursday, January 25th. This is episode 70. I'm Matt Roy. Chuck McIntyre, Zach Hedrick. Not hungover, but... We are here. That's Gosh, we're just starting uh, right out of the gate, huh? Yeah. <laughs> not, uh, clarification, I got a vaccine, everybody. So. <laughs> not hungover, but just it's interesting to hear what the remedies are for hangovers, and that might actually make for a decent podcast at some point. I mean, when we're in the... Useful information. When huh? we're in the thicket of uh, summer, we can talk about our hangover cures. Because <laughs> I, I have a very specific elixir that I use to try and get... Tried uh, and true? Try, yeah, tried and true remedy. In my day, we just slugged it out, Matthew. Well, yeah, that's what my mom always used to say. Hair of the dog, hair that's of the right. dog. A little bit more will help you out. There you go. But uh, Tried and true formula. all of that stemming from Zach drinking a, a Gatorade with one of those extra electrolyte Gatorades. And so I was just telling Chuck that between that or Pedialyte, like the tried and true methods the next day, if you can keep it down. New uh, age. <laughs> anyway, this is episode 70. So obviously we start, as we always do, with the number of what our episode is. So that is number 70. We have a couple of good cowboys. Zach Martin, obviously the one I always think of right as of right now uh, when it comes to the number 70. Uh, another good cowboy, though, Rayfield Wright, Hall of Famer for the Cowboys in the 70s, I think, early 70s. So, 60s and 70s, I think. Yep. So, Chuck, any other, anyone else coming to mind? I like, you had Jim Marshall on the list of the Purple People Eaters back in the 70s. That was a really good Vikings team, but just could never get over the hump. Didn't they, how many Super Bowls did they make it to? Two? I think four, wasn't it? No, I think they've been, they've been before to, my time. <laughs> I don't remember. They've, they've been to four as a franchise. I just can't remember how many or which one that was. I thought that they had lost. Oh no, they didn't make it in '99. That was the that was the kick. They lost to the Steelers. They lost to the Raiders. Who else did they lose to? Oh well, I don't know. Anyway, so we got Moving that, and then on. obviously as we uh, we don't have very good. I'm not going to say good players, but like flashy players uh, for '70 or me, pretty much like '55 through '80. <laughs> so I've started putting down. Like, in the year. So, in the year 1970, the Chiefs beat the Vikings. That was their only Super Bowl win until Lord and Savior Patrick Mahomes uh, came to uh, Kansas City. Uh, they won Super Bowl 423 23-7 over the Vikings. Uh, June 12, 1970, Doc Ellis threw a no-hitter while on LSD. So, that's a good... Most 70s thing ever. Uh, (laughs) I once got stiffed as a youngster from an autograph by Doc Ellis. So all this folklore about about Doc Ellis being, you know, (laughs) this character of baseball, it's like... I have that same. Whatever. I have that same feeling about Emmett Smith. I got stiffed by an inter- or stiffed by an autograph from Emmett Smith while he was playing golf in this charity golf tournament, and he was just like, "I don't bother you guys. Well, your your place of work." So I hated Emmett Smith ever since. Saw him like twenty years later, and he's like, "Yeah, I was kind of a dick back then." That's what <laughs> <laughs> uh, Orioles beat the Reds four three in uh, the nineteen seventy World Series. The Knicks beat the Lakers in the NBA Finals that year, and the Bruins beat the Blues. In the Stanley Cup Finals. Anything else with having to do with 70, guys? No? I think that was pretty much it. I was six it's years good old. good scoring golf. 
It's <laughs> a good story. Goran golf. I've never done it and probably never will. Um, so let's get to the Spurs. We have a lot to talk about. We got Spurs. We got the uh, coaching carousel continuing to roll on in the NFL and some conference championship previews that we'll get to as well. But Thunder fall to the Spurs last night, 140 to 114. The Spurs fall to 8 and 36. And I think I saw a tweet from you that pretty much hit the nail on the head, Zach. It was like open gym for the Thunder last night. It, they just couldn't – like there was no contesting any shots whatsoever. Well, even on – on the ones they were contesting, I mean, it's just the Thunder have shooters, man. And this is probably like the most complete team since when they had Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden all on the same team. Those were some fun Thunder teams. I remember watching them back in my college days. And this is just a, a wide-open team. They've got so many good athletes all over. The two Jay Wills, um, Josh Giddy. it's just like, man, they, they are just hitting everything from everywhere. And then, of course, it starts and ends with SGA. Yeah. SGA is phenomenal. He's, I mean, I think they're what second in the West right now, thirty-one and thirteen. Oh, first, yeah, like they're first. Oh, did they just overtake the Timberwolves? Mm -hmm. Yep. So anyway, I mean, they're phenomenal. SGA is probably a top ten player in the NBA at this point, and between him and Chet and Jaden Williams, I think Jalen Williams, Lou Dort, ASU, ASU Pride, <laughs> um, they uh, they're phenomenal. They're phenomenal, and the Spurs are not. I think what's fascinating, and I really haven't been paying attention to what they've been doing, is you know they had a couple of down years, and then last year they were hovering around 500, but not horrendously bad down years. I mean, even when they were winning, you know, 45, 47 games, they were still above 500 while they will, were building to this point. They had a couple of down years a couple of years ago, but those teams still won, you know, 27, 28 ball games. Yeah, they so, bottomed out there for a little while. That's how they got but, Chet. But if bottoming guys. out is 27 or 28, that's not too bad. No. So, I mean, during this Sam Presti run, they've been pretty damn good. I mean, overall. Again, they had a couple of bad years a couple of years ago, but those were uh, those other teams were above 500 while they were building towards this. So, I don't know. It's just fascinating to watch and see how they've done it because – doesn't look like they're going away anytime soon, does it? And they're a young roster, too. I mean, so... Second youngest team in the NBA. Yeah, so you got to think, you know, it's like, hey, not not that it's the, an exact blueprint for the Spurs, but it's just like, hey, you know, if you kind of still take your lumps a little bit, you got to look at a couple years down the road, Spurs, this could be you as well. I the mean, Thunder, just... The Thunder were never just as bad as the Spurs currently are, though. Like, yeah. that's just to right. Chuck's point. They never bottomed out like this. Right. Um, they have the, a few more role players than the Spurs do currently. Right. Yeah, he's, look he's look shown, at those he, records, He's shown man. me the records of all the teams. Their worst year was the 2020 year when they went 22 and 50. And then it was 24 and 24 and 58 and then 40, 42. And right now they're 31 and 13. But they, I mean, they're a good team. They always have been a good team. They bottomed, like I said, bottomed out there for two years. But uh, what just strikes me is how bad the Spurs defense is like since the last time we spoke on these airwaves and this podcast they allowed 70 points to Joel Embiid um he does that to a lot of people he doesn't do that to a lot of people but he does score on a lot of people I think he's averaging 37 points right now which is the most in in the NBA um and then they allowed basically an open gym to the Thunder I mean SGA did whatever he wanted they pretty much did whatever he, they wanted all game and you would think when you have a player like Wemby in the middle who's blocking anything that comes close they would, wouldn't allow 140 points, wouldn't allow 70 points to somebody, but they do on a consistent basis. Mm -hmm. Well, and he's still, you know, minutes restriction that should be coming off soon, but, you, you know, so. he's, yeah, he's, 
he's not playing a full, you know, NBA game yet, which understandable, but even even with him in the middle, you know, there's just times when they're caught in transition and they're just so slow getting back. Agree. I'll say this though, on a positive note, this is a lot easier to watch than what we watched back in they have late twenty twenty three. Past I mean, couple of weeks, it's yeah, really yeah, better. The way it's they're better basketball. playing differently, Wemby playing the traditional five, you've got Sohan playing off the ball, Trey Jones, you know, obviously they probably missed him a little bit last night. I think that's safe to mm-hmm, say. Mm-hmm. It just looks like basketball. So in that regard, I'm happy. The <laughs> team is a thousand times better with Trey Jones on, in the lineup. Yep. I mean, they're – the Shohan experience experiment was a failure um, as with him as the point guard. Him coming off the bench or him being off the ball. Keldon coming off the bench is a little bit better. Zach Collins coming off the bench is better. When you substitute Zach Collins for Wemby, that's kind of the role that I think Zach Collins needs to play. Uh, so they're slowly figuring it out. But as you look at the team as a whole, it's still depressing. 8-36 and 36 isn't good. And I think all of us thought they were going to be better this year. But then when you look, yeah. like the only reason that the game was on national TV yesterday was the Chet versus Wemby comparison. Mm-hmm. How do you how how did that matchup specifically live up to the billing, either in your head or the national uh, hype that surrounded it? Because you have these seven one and seven four guys going at each other that look pretty much like they're cut from the same cloth. Go ahead, Jack. I I think watching the game last night, I think Wimby, you know, kind of had the edge early. Uh, of course, it's January. There's still a lot of basketball left, but of course, it's the national storyline of, well, who's going to win Rookie of the Year? So everybody wanted to talk about that, you know, during the game and at shoot around that morning and stuff. I think Wimby does more um, just all over because he it, it's the defensive impact, but also uh offensively too and it was kind of fun i mean at at the beginning of the fourth quarter those two guys were kind of trading blows a little bit i mean and you know after wimby kind of got his first dunk on him or whatever you know he kind of stared down chet but i immediately thought dude scoreboard like come on (laughs) exactly Uh, yeah they're both really good players i think it's interesting to watch how you know the league tries to market and package this if you call it a rivalry this early yeah. in their career, I mean, it looks like they're going to be able to grow up together. Mm-hmm. And obviously I think both teams are probably happy with what they got. Yeah, for sure. I mean, in the in the rookie of the year odds did shift a little bit towards Wemby last night. I mean, he was already the odds, odds on favorite. I think he was like minus 150. It's now minus 164. So, I mean, it shifted a little bit. Toward- the spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Because that matchup, he's probably going to win Rookie of the Year. He's, nowhere, he's not going to be anywhere close to Defensive Player of the Year because the team around him is so bad. Chet actually has the edge in the Defensive yeah. Player of the Year category. And I think it comes down to, for me right now, is who would you pay to see play? I mean, a lot of people are paying a lot of money every night to see Wemby play. So uh, Yeah, I mean, that's, that's where I'm at, too. I mean, would I pay to – if I'm going to go see the Thunder, I'm not going to see Chet. Yeah, I'm going, I'm to, see going to Spurs. I'm going to see Victor play. Yeah, I think that's the that's the difference between the Spurs and the Thunder is that the, the Thunder have an SGA, and every I think we thought Devin Vassell was going to be a little bit better than he actually is right now, um, and hoping that he could maybe be like the the Batman or the the Robin to the Batman. Uh, I think Devin Vassell has kind of shown that he's not that role. He might be like a Chris Middleton to 
when he's Bucks. yeah when he's on when he's you know, on he's, yeah. he's good but yeah it's it's not consistent yeah it's not consistent anywhere near so that that brings us to what are we hoping from this season at this point from the from the Spurs are we basically just hoping to figure out who's going to stay on this roster I would say that's a fair assessment I mean I hadn't thought about that but I'll go with that I mean, <laughs> I mean I, yeah you're right I think because I'm like you in a lot of ways I mean I expected more in terms of victories. I expected to see some cohesion at this point in the season, and I think there is some, but not to the degree that I thought we would see it. And did I think they were going to be this bad halfway through the year? No. No, No, I did not. So in that regard, there's a lot of me that's, you know, my attention's going to other places at this point. Yeah. I mean, it just seems like we're trying to figure out who's going to be traded by the deadline and who's going to be traded in the offseason at this point. So that brings us to the trade deadline is a few weeks away. Um, who do you want? Who do you think will be traded? Who do you think is like not replaceable, but isn't the ones that are gelling with this team right now? Who should be on the chopping block? Obviously, Wemby's not going anywhere. The overwhelming likelihood is that Devin Vassell wouldn't go anywhere because he just got signed to that new new uh, contract extension. I think Trey Jones is probably safe. Everyone else, it seems like, bye at this point. I think they're almost ready to give up on the Shohan experiment too. Well, that's a tough one because of how or where they're at. You know, they kind of made their bed with this roster. And I know it's been said that this team is going to dictate what we do next. Mm -hmm. So, you know, based on that, you got to believe somebody's probably going somewhere and probably for draft picks Mm -hmm. at this point. But, you know, we'll we'll see. I mean, I don't – it's really hard to know based on how they started the year and what they were trying to do. Wemby playing away from the basket, Jeremy – playing the point. So now, I mean, do you see enough over the last four or five weeks to go, hey, maybe there's something here? I, to me, that's what I see over yeah. the last four or five weeks. But again, since you, you know, the way they started based on how they were trying to play, I don't know if you can make an assessment on moving people at this point based on how little you've actually seen them play together as a unit or as a group. Zach? Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Chuck. I think those first 20, 22 games, whatever it was, you almost have to kind of throw those out and disregard them because it was such a non sequitur of, of kind of like, you know, what they're playing like now. Uh, I think they've seen it's like, yeah, the value of having a guy who can facilitate like Trey Jones and running the offense through Wimby, it helps everybody else out because last night you saw it. There were three guys, there were three blue shirts coming to Wimby, and it's just an easy dish. Somebody's open, Mm -hmm. and it led to an easy bucket. So it's just like, yeah, if they're keying on Wimby, then somebody else is going to be open, and hopefully it's like they can make their shots. Sohan's been better especially with this three-point shot lately, but it didn't it didn't fall last night. Maybe they like him. Again, there's a lot of young guys. Blake Wesley has really come on lately. He's been a pest on defense. He's been really good, showing a lot of energy. Pop said it. It's like we've been having to give him minutes yeah. because it's like he's making an impact. So hopefully that kind of defensive mentality, it starts on the defensive side. You get a guy like that, and hopefully it spreads around to everybody else. Wimby obviously has that defensive mentality. You get a few more guys like that, then maybe you can play, you can be in some more competitive ball games. If I was to ask both of you to name one player that's most likely to be traded by the February eighth mm. deadline, who would it be? I have I have who I would think, but I want to hear you guys first. Um, this would just be a one hundred percent spitballing, but I would say Keldon. 
That's who I was actually going to say. Yeah, as well. I was going to say Kelton as well. He, he feels like the one that's not dispensable because I think we all like him here in the community and him on the team yeah. and his attitude yeah. and all that stuff. He's just the most viable trade option. He has, hasn't gotten that big, long contract or anything like that. He's that glue guy. Uh, he provides some offense off the bench. So I, th- I think of all people, it's him and Doug, Doug McDermott are the two people that are probably on the chopping block. Yeah, it'd be nice to see them, you know, if they're going to unload somebody, you know, maybe trade Doug McDermott to a contending team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for you know, sure. It'd be kind of nice to, because, you know, that guy does everything the, the help right him way. Out. Yep. Good shooter. You got to believe he'd be able to help somebody. All right, let's get to uh, some conference championship previews. Let's just go from the bottom of a league to the top of another league. Um, let's start in in uh, in order. So Chiefs-Ravens is first. Ravens are favored by three and a half. It's jumping around three and a half, four in Baltimore. Uh, weather's not going to be super great, but it's not going to be as bad as it was last week for either team. <laughs> um, Over-under is 44 and a half. Zach, I'll start with you. Who wins? Why? And by how much? Oh, man. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's almost kind of a coin flip. The Ravens' defense is something. This is going to be Patrick Mahomes' best test, I think. Um, if his receivers can show up and make some catches for him, uh, because you know they're going to key on Travis Kelsey and try and take him away. Um, I guess after last week, I, th- I guess there is enough Mahomes magic. It, it also largely depends on how Lamar Jackson is going to play. It never runs The most out. thing, I, I, I'll take the Chiefs. I think it's, I think it's close. It'll be within three. Uh, the most interested, the most thing I'm interested in in watching this game is what does Jason Kelsey do for an encore after <laughs> you know his antics last <laughs> week in Buffalo. So that was my favorite part of the weekend. Chuck, that's I guess it was my favorite part of the weekend too, given what the Packers did Saturday. <laughs> I'm gonna go with, I mean, I can't get that stupid meme out of my head with the Super Bowl colors and the teams that have played the last two years. And the fact that the colors match up the with conspiracy the Ravens theorists and the 49ers. It's, it's all scripted. Right? Yeah. So I therefore am going to go with the Chiefs until Taylor Swift proves otherwise. <laughs> Swift, sorry. Didn't mean to mispronounce her name. Um, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Um, it's it's like betting against modern-day Tom Brady. Like, Are you really going to just bet against Tom Brady? I'm not. I'm not going to bet against Patrick Mahomes. Um, or Andy Reid. Yeah, right? or Andy Reid. Like. You see just the greatness there, the comparisons between them and Brady and Belichick. It's just, it's just there. So, I mean. It's kind of that similar feeling, right? You know, less than two minutes of the game. Yeah. If the other team scores and they go up by three or four, but there's still time left on the clock. It's like, well, there's still time left for Tom Brady. Patrick yeah. Mahomes still kind of has that same feeling. Yeah, you're telling me right now that if the game is 24-20 with two minutes left and Mahomes and Reed have the ball, you're not just going to be like, all right, well, the Chiefs win. Right. That's It's exactly that feeling. So. Um, unless the Ravens come out and just bludgeon them and they're down 28 zip in the first half, then I'm probably not going to count out the Chiefs until there's no time left on the clock. So that's the feeling I always get, which sucks because I'm a Broncos fan and my wife is a Chiefs fan. So she has scoreboard. It's, <laughs> it's so annoying. It literally, since her and I have met, they have not not been to the AFC yeah, Championship game. Straight, huh? It's really, really annoying. They sucked every year before that. And the you Broncos should be happy for your, her happiness. In your Matthew. dreams, Cowboys fans. <laughs> I am really happy for her happiness uh, yes. for most of the year. Until like every day, every year when the Broncos get eliminated, I'm really upset at all of her happiness. But besides that, I'm good. Um, but another question stems from that regarding Jason Kelsey. If 
you guys were to go to a game and your significant other was there and you were just like went in because they said on the podcast like Jason Kelsey was like I went in telling her I'm going to take my shirt off and jump into the crowd <laughs> and she said don't you dare so if you did that like Chuck what would your wife say if you were like I'm going to take my shirt off yell and jump out of a press box and go drink with fans and then jump back in while I'm meeting the most popular person in the entire world like what would your wife say she would probably disown me <laughs> many many reasons to do that anyway but i think like if you have that conversation before she would go i'm not going to participate in this i'll stay at home and watch you do your thing on tv i i liked his line of i'm, I'm not asking for permission yeah, this right. is what's happening you know it's like... right I, I don't have that kind of cloud around my house i, I like that he well i mean to his credit he knows who he is so right. it's just like this this is it this yeah, is what's that's happening pure. Yeah. So, so sadly, that's a very Matt Roy thing to do. Um, <laughs> uh, of, of just be like, this is, I'm not asking for permission here. I'm just telling you it's going to happen here. <laughs> so prepare yourself. And then her saying, please, God, don't. That's a very Matt Roy, Jordan Elder thing to do. But I don't think she'd be smiling behind the camera. I think she'd be like sitting there signing divorce papers while I did it. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. A trial separation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I, my favorite part about that was that uh, after the uh, podcast came out on Wednesday, that Kylie was like, we're getting a cat. I'm not asking for permission. It's <laughs> fair. It was really funny. But all right, let's get to the second game. Lions 49ers. Um, I think Chuck kind of told us where he's going with this by the by the conspiracy theorist uh, logo, uh, Super Bowl logo. No, because I, I just I took the Chiefs because that's the red in the logo gonna... for you. No. No, I took the Chiefs, even though that meme is screaming Ravens yeah, 49ers. It is. I'm therefore taking the Lions in this game. <laughs> but, I, you know, it stinks because I, I don't have a reason to hate either team. Yeah. You know, I like the fact that there's two locals playing in this game as well. Not to mention all the odd A&M connections, too, with the Lions. I mean, it's it's just a fascinating matchup, right? I don't know how the 49ers beat the Lions, based on their performance on Saturday night, but something tells me they're going to be a little bit better, and mm -hmm. I, I don't see how Debo doesn't play in this game. And again, that's me spitballing, right? He's at least got to be a a decoy or some like, sort of decoy, right? You know, Somebody gonna, to look over here, but not over here. Yeah, going to suit up and um, yeah. I'm, so so hold on. By seven, so the line is seven. Are they are they? Oh, well, technically, you're taking the Lions, so yeah. they're going to cover. So, so yeah, they cover. You're taking the Lions, they cover. I'm going to go Lions. I think it's close. I think it's like three or four again. You know, it's so. But you I say Lions that, to win. Yeah. Oh wow. Lions win. Um, I I think yeah. Debo Samuel is going to give it a go, but you know it's it's not going to be a factor. And like they did against Tampa Bay, it's like yeah, Mike Evans is going to get his. They've got other receivers where it's like yeah, he's going to get his numbers and everything. But so long as you know we bottle them up and they just aren't running rampant. I think the lions, you know, get it done. I just like what I like Dan Campbell's attitude. And I yeah. think his team is really, you know, kind of signed up with them of just like, yeah, we're, we're going to go and bite the kneecap. I think 
what last week's uh, Niners-Packers game reminded me of, when Debo went out, it reminded me of the Tony Pollard injury against the Niners with the Cowboys. It changed the entire offense for the 49ers. And the fact that they were able to get through that gives me a little bit more confidence in them going into the next game. Yeah, Uh, Since at least this week they can game plan like – Debo gets hurt on the first play. We're going to do this, and we're going to yeah. you know, kind of do that since he's already got, injured. You still got Ayuk, yeah. Kittle, McCaffrey. I mean, it's it's a murderer's row. Yeah, exactly. And, and, like, it just gives them a little bit more time to game plan. That being said, the weather in Santa Clara this weekend is not going to be uh, anywhere near as bad as it was last week. I'm expecting, like, a 41-31 kind of game, like a 34-31, something like that. Points. It is going to be beautiful not no no uh clouds in the sky not a lot of wind it's going to be like almost like a dome which makes me think the lions offense is going to be a little bit better because obviously they don't play well outside um so i'm going to take the lions to cover i'm gonna take the 49ers to win but uh yeah i think it's i think we're we're shaping up for two great great games this weekend so uh it is 128 you got to get out of here yeah probably all right get going before we do the last last one so Zach's got to go do some actual work. So thanks for stepping in, Zach. No Appreciate it. So now San Zach will talk about some Jim Harbaugh. So Jim Harbaugh, hired by the Chargers now. He's leaving Michigan. Michigan uh, is on top, obviously. They just won the national championship. But something about this leaves a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth. It reminds me of Pete Carroll leaving USC. Knowing that sanctions are coming, you're kind of on top. You're one of those premier programs. You're going to leave them in a space where it's just like, have fun with this. Right. <laughs> like, thanks for everything. Bye. Right. But if you're Michigan, do you care? I mean, you want a natty. So, I mean, that's the that's the age-old problem with all this. And then, you know, all this coach hopping, too. It's like, so of the four coaches that were in the football Final Four, only Sark is going to be back next year? I mean, who would have thought any of that? Nor- I mean, uh, the, huh? everybody else is gone. Oh, Saban yeah. retired. Yeah, Saban's gone. Oh, yeah, and then Kalen DeBoer. I forgot about Kalen DeBoer. So, you know, it's like if this is going to be coaching free agency, player free agency every year, like my brain's not big enough for all this. And <laughs> you know, I always try to ask myself, why is my interest waning? It's like, because I don't know who's playing for who. Is it, you know, do I like the logo? Do I not like the logo? If I, is it really devolved to that, that why I'm watching these games? And you know, I just don't have enough time to kind of keep an eye on all this stuff. And if there's going to be this much movement, should I be expected to care? Yeah, and I th- I like Michigan's move of keeping their offensive coordinator, the guy that took over for mm-hmm. Jim. I mean, he coached like six of the thirteen, six of the fifteen games last year because of both of Jim's um, uh, suspensions. But it, to me, it's just it's just kind of a wuss move. Like, stay there. Make I know you're on top. I know your name is the hottest in the coaching cycle right now, besides Bill Belichick, obviously. But and I know it's just like strike while the iron's hot. But it's just kind of like a. Bye. Like you're kind of just leaving yeah. them to, to be screwed. It's almost like if Bill Belichick, it, it's I don't know. It's it like it reminds me of Pete Carroll. Like they got suspended, they had to put sanctions on their team. It reminds me of oh, and of Herm Edwards at ASU last year. Like they fired Herm, and then uh, ASU had to have a self imposed bull ban this year and lose a bunch of scholarships and all that stuff. It's just like I want the coaches to have to pay for their transgressions, and the fact that he's leaving without the sanctions being placed or without this actually coming to a a conclusion leaves a bad taste in my mouth because it's the kids that are going to have to deal with it. And the new coach that's taking over for him, that's going to have to deal with it. So it just kind of makes, it it just kind of makes this move salty to me. 
Yeah, it's a tough situation for everybody, right? But again, I guess it's just the the nature of the beast. When you got this kind of money involved and all these different moving parts that don't necessarily reward anybody for doing the right thing, then you know this is kind of what you get. So, you know, you keep rewarding bad behavior. This is going to happen. Yeah, and then that's just the college ramifications of it. Because now, I mean, obviously the Big Ten is tra- changing. Forever, I mean, Washington was coming in. They basically had a, a, a Big Ten championship matchup, and neither of them have their head coaches anymore. So the Big Ten is going to be in a lot of flux. But you look at the NFL ramifications, and the division that he go, he's going to is absolutely stacked, especially when you look at head coaching. You have Andy Reid, you have Sean Payton, and now you have Jim Harbaugh, three of the preeminent coaches of our time, I would or of this generation, I would say. Then you have uh, Antonio Pierce, who obviously did a good job last year. Mm-hmm. I have a little bit of ill will towards him because of his time at ASU and the recruiting violations that he uh, left them with. But besides that, I don't know if the, this is a good job. Like, besides Justin Herbert, you're $46 million over the cap. You have Khalil Mack, who's going to be $38 million on your cap next year and is 32, 33 years old, something like that. Joey Bosa is $36 million against your cap. Keenan Allen, a very old Keenan Allen, is $35 million on your cap. And then Mike Williams is $34 million against your cap. Like, cut all those guys. The talent that you had goes out the window. And the the roster is then having to be completely made over. So it's just it doesn't seem like an actually a good job there besides the – you know, Justin Herbert of it all. Yeah, and L.A. and everything else. I don't know. The problem that they're going to have is what you just said, obviously, but, you know, that's one of those teams that pretty much every week they're in every game. They just can't close, you know. So how far away are they and how can they make the numbers work to try to keep most of that team intact? I mean, some of these guys, like, is Bosa going to be ready to start the season? Probably not, right? I mean, he's yeah. coming off a major injury, so – I don't know. It's going to be fascinating to watch it all unfold, but I don't know. Again, some of these teams, it's like the NFL. Can you name half the coaches in the NFL at this point? Who's coaching where? I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I can just because I'm a nerd, but and I, you know, I could too when I was your age. It's just at this point, it's with all this movement, it's hard for me to. It's annoying. Commit neurons to. It's an. It's, who's coaching where? It's certainly annoying um, that there is so much movement and that the contracts at both levels are basically not worth the paper that they're printed on, um, and that only the players really get held to that standard. Coaches, you can go wherever you want, whenever you want. It doesn't seem like there's any ramifications for you. Uh, so that part is annoying. Always has been annoying, and always will be annoying. Um, now, especially at the college level, it's. I think that this what we're seeing right now is annoying when it comes to the transfer portal, but they just opened Pandora's box with it. You wouldn't give an inch. So they took a mile uh, and the Supreme court gave them a mile. So there was nothing they could do about that. But when it comes to the NFL, I just, and, and specifically Jim Harbaugh, I don't just don't know if this is the job I would have wanted. He could have picked any of them. Um, and if you look at all the openings, I think the Falcons job is the one that I would have wanted. You just don't have the quarterback. Yeah, yeah I just, I, if you're looking at it, like, why the Chargers is my question. Well, and why isn't why is Belichick having a hard time finding a job? I don't think he's having a hard time. I think he's just calculating. I think that Belichick, um, to get onto this little tangent, I think that Belichick's trying to find out if there's going to be another one open. We know it's not going to be the Eagles. We know it's not going to be the Cowboys. What about if Andy Reid retires? I want that hmm. job. There's a lot of speculation that Andy Reid might retire. And if the and I mean if the, that would be the job I'd want if I was Bill Belichick, yeah, you got, would be the you job got, I'd want to be a generational quarterback <laughs> of your time. 
um, and a decent cap and decent cap room with a great GM and Brett Veach. I mean, I, that's the job I would want. I, that's what I think the holdup is because they brought the Falcons already brought him in for a second interview. Do you really need to interview him a second time? Like you kind of. Yeah, I feel like that was just more for Bill Belichick to interview them again. He was he wanted to know about the Falcons, but uh, you still have Mike Vrabel out there who doesn't have a job yet, and there's a lot of people out there that don't have jobs. Which I think, like, once Bill Belichick falls into his spot, then Vrabel will fall into his spot and everything else. But okay, as far as all that of all that goes, I just it it was also staggering to me that and last thing before we get out of here is. The comparison between how good people are in the AFC and the NFC is ridiculous. The worst team in the AFC could beat the crap out of the worst team in the NFC. And it's so – the parity throughout the the conference is ridiculous. You just go through the teams. And while I pull this up real quick, just to make sure I don't leave anybody out. Yeah, what, what, are there, I'm sure there are. There's splits between – interconference games this year and who won where and i'm sure there is i i didn't look those up yeah on on paper i would agree with you that it appears that you know you get a little bit more of a pass if you're on an a really good nfc team like the 49ers again who said this a couple weeks ago if you would have told the 49ers going into the playoffs all you have to do is beat the nine and seven packers and then beat either the lions or who was the other team who did the lions beat the Rams mm-hmm. to get to a Super Bowl. That's that's the the Brady formula all those years, right? You don't get as beat up because you're not playing these super great elite teams when the NFC had it over the AFC. And by the time you get to the Super Bowl, the NFC team has been through the baton death march. They show up on Sunday and have a harder time because the AFC team has had a little lesser problem or well, fewer challenges getting to the big game. And, and does, it's, you just, know, it's an attrition thing at some point. And that might prove to be the case this year, too. I mean, the 49ers are a little banged up right now, but it's you would think that the Ravens and or the Chiefs were going to have a harder road to get to the big dance. Well, and when you look at – just looking at, like, the talent the, and the, the quarterback head coaching pairs in the AFC compared to the NFC. The AFC, you have Baltimore – Lamar Jackson, John Harbaugh, Buffalo, Sean McDermott, and uh, Josh Allen, Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes, and Andy Reid, Kevin, Kevin Stefanski, and Deshaun Watson, Tua Tagovailoa, and Mike McDaniel, C.J. Stroud, and uh, D'Amico Ryan's don't have, really have a quarterback in Pittsburgh, but they still went ten and seven. Joe Burrow and uh, uh, Taylor, um, Jacksonville's. I mean, they still went nine and eight this year, though. Like you right. just look at the talent. And then in the other league, you have San Francisco, okay, Brock Purdy and uh, Kyle Shanahan. And then you have Dallas, almost fired their coach this year. Detroit, okay, they're good. Philly, almost fired their head coach this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean McVay, almost retired last year. Uh, the uh, Tampa Bay, 9-8. and eight. You really trust Baker Mayfield to be great? If you look at, like, the top, he's the sixth best quarterback theoretically in this league you don't have anybody in the nfc compared to the talent pool that you have in the afc and it's just like a murderer's row the second worst team in the afc this year was the chargers they now have jim harbaugh right like you just you look and it's just so out of balance when like in the 90s it was so out of balance towards the nfc it swung 180 degrees the other way and the afc is stacked yeah yeah the numbers which you just spoke of they say a lot but I disagree with you on Baker. I think Baker's just fine. I think he's good, but like I'm comparing yeah. him to all the top yeah. tier quarterbacks in the AFC, and then you have Baker. 
who is probably a top five quarterback in the NFC. But you look at the top five quarterbacks in the AFC, and you have Patrick, Josh Allen, you have uh, uh, Lamar Jackson, you have Burrow, you have all these quarterbacks who are just stacked and littered throughout the conference. And then you have Baker, who is like, you have Baker, you have Jared Goff, you have Dak Prescott, you have Jalen Hurts, and you have Brock Purdy, probably, and Matt Stafford. None of them are above. You have Jordan Love. That's a good point. Good point. <laughs> For uh, six weeks, anyway. Yeah, exactly. We'll see how he does in the first half of the right? next season. But yes. uh, that's all we got for you on today's Sneakers and Cleats podcast. I'm going to try and do this from memory as I try and pull up the uh, – there we go. Excuse me. Uh, remember to download, rate, review, subscribe, give us a five-star rating, tell a friend, tell an enemy. Thank you to Zach for stepping in for the first 25-ish minutes of this. He is going to do more important things with his day. Uh, and thanks to Chuck and thanks to Luis – for always stepping in and handling uh, the supers and all that stuff over there. We'll be back for episode 71 on Monday. Uh, And until then, everyone have a good weekend, and I guess go Chiefs, sadly.